Hello! Hey guys, it's Arden Cho. Hey, I'm Holland Roden. Hello, this is Ian Bowen. Hey you guys, this is Melissa Ponzio. Hi, I'm Lyndon Ashby. Hi, I'm Dylan Spaberry. This is Megan Tandy. This is Tyler Posey, and you are listening to Not Another. Not Another. Not Another. This is Not Another Team Wolf Podcast. Yes, it is! Oh! Woo! Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast, my favorite podcast in the world. everyone, welcome to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, episode 110. We are back after a bit of a, a little bit of a hiatus because Teen Wolf has been on a break and we have been tired, uh, but Teen Wolf's coming back in about, what is it, six weeks, eight weeks or something like that? January 9th, is it? Yeah, I think it's like six weeks. Yeah, so we're going to attempt from now until the premiere to get out an episode uh, approximately once a week. Um, we've got, we've actually got a plan for quite a few different ones. Um, a couple I'll talk about at the end of this episode. So if you know about them, you can bug us about them. So we do them. Uh, but we have been very busy doing other things, other podcasts, uh, life. I have a new job in the real world and stuff. And Karen's had a fun year moving to different state to where she grew up. So we've all been a bit busy, but Teen Wolf's coming back, so we're still here. Sorry if that's a disappointment, but I don't know why you're listening if it is. Um, (laughs) Look, sorry, this episode's going to be interesting. We're obviously um, gathered here today to talk about the new trailer that's come out um, for season 5B, I guess. Yeah, it's 5B, it's not 6 yet, Um, which uh, just aired after um, a little bit of a, you know, treasure hunt on the internet or whatever it is these people do. Um, and we're going to talk about all of the new stuff that we saw there and what it might mean. So if you want to get in touch with us to talk about the new, new trailer and any theories you have or anything like that, you can reach us on Twitter, which is NATW Podcast. You can reach us on our email address, which is NATWPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us on our Tumblr ask box if you want to, uh, not another Teen Wolf com. Or you can comment on our Instagram, um, that is also NATW Podcast, uh, like most of our handles. Uh, you can also comment on the podcast page on hyperball.com or leave us an iTunes review on iTunes if you download the podcast from iTunes as well. So there's a lot of different ways that you can talk to us if you feel that need. And some of the episodes we've got coming up, we are going to need you to, to talk to us before that. So, I am Natalie, if you're only tuning in for the first time, or early on, if you've only just discovered Teen Wolf and have decided to pick up this podcast for whatever reason you would do that. Uh, And my co-host is Karen, and she is over there. Hi, Karen. Hi. Hi. Um, It's quite late at night for Karen, um, and it's, it's afternoon for me down in Australia, and for Karen, it's like the middle of the night. Um, on Thanksgiving, so that's great. Um, what are you thankful for, Karen? Uh, <laughs> should I answer this honestly? Yes. I'm not going to. Oh my god, why? <laughs> are you going to say the vodka? Yes! <laughs> really? 
Karen's drunk, spoiler alert. Um, I am not drunk. (laughs) We've never done a podcast with Karen being drunk before. Um, So let's see how this goes. Seeing as she wrote all of these news points and knows more about them than I do. So that's going to be interesting uh, when we get there. No, she's not drunk, but she is not sober. And so that's fun. I think that that'll be good. That'll be a new experience for the listeners who, because Karen... Yes as you may or may not have have realized through however many years we've been doing this podcast, three years of podcasting. Oh, here they are. Here are the pictures. Okay. Um, Is a cinnamon roll. So (laughs) she's going to be like giggly and belligerent by turns. I can tell you that right now from experience um, of her being intoxicated, but that's just from personal experience. I have not had podcast experience of it. So it's going to be, real fun i think i'm excited but maybe you know we'll see how it goes we have some plans you know if it goes well we have some plans to further experiment (laughs) in this department all right let's get into it so the the new trailer um for 3b dropped and i guess it's not the first footage we've seen we obviously had the footage from new york comic con so it's not the actual first bit of footage from 5b we've seen but it's a bit bit more revealing they have their online campaigns where you have to like unlock things in order to get to the the trailer which i don't really understand but um how does this work karen actually i'm not entirely sure because when they said that there was in like easter egg hunt on instagram i wasn't sure how to like go about it like how they were actually like how people figured out how to find each one of these things. So I'm not sure, but I do know that once you found the clues, you were able to find different like accounts that had the different pictures on them. Okay. And was it just to find the pictures or was it like to unlock the trailer? Because I don't really understand how that works. I think it was to unlock the trailer eventually. Okay. Because I'm not 100% yeah, As I said, I'm not 100% sure how that all works. But the point of that is that they had these Instagram pictures of uh, the nine circles of hell um, from Dante's Inferno, in case anyone doesn't know what that is. I'm not sure how big the uh, gap in the Venn diagram is of people who watch Tin Wolf and people who know about Dante's Inferno. But, Karen, you're a classics and art history major. Uh, what do you know about Dante's <laughs> Inferno? Literally nothing. <laughs> really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, how do I begin to describe Dante's Inferno? His hair's insured for $10,000. No, okay, it's... What? I, I'm quoting Mean Girls. How do I begin to describe blank is the Regina George thing from Mean Girls. Please tell me you've actually seen Mean Girls. Yes, I have. Don't, I just... Don't worry. Didn't understand. We'll, we'll move on from that. Don't worry. Dante's Inferno is basically um, an, a poem, a very long poem from, is it pre-Renaissance? Is it Dante Alighieri, it's like, it may be Renaissance, it may be pre-Renaissance. We're talking about like really early, like like even when like in the times of like Shakespeare and earlier than that, like Dante was still like an ancient text for them, if you know what I mean. So it was like old, like 1300s kind of old. And it's basically a story um guy of him he's the narrator like Dante's the narrator 
and it's his story of it's story of him basically going into hell, um, guided by this other poet, this ancient Roman poet Virgil. Um, and they basically go through the underworld, um, and go through the seven, the, the, sorry, the nine circles of hell, like each one worse and worse and worse for like, you know, the, how, how bad the sins are basically. And they kind of, some of them, um, kind of go hand in hand with like the seven deadly sins. So like, they're like, you know, and they're sort of ranked by, or by badness levels, um, but there's more than seven, but they there is a little bit of crossover. So it's basically like going deeper and deeper into hell. So the ninth circle of hell is like the worst, basically. That's the closest, I guess, to the the center of hell. Um, so I have no idea why they've chosen. There's like Dante's Inferno is it's it's a very big deal in in classics. Like you could do. If you want to spend a whole episode analysing Dante's Inferno, we can do that, but we won't do that right now. <laughs> and I'd have to read up on it. Um, but, yeah, so basically the the breakdown of the, the nine uh, images, the nine characters that they've assigned to the different circles of hell, um, there could be some significance in, like, levels of badness, if you know what I mean. Like, um, and I will tell you the levels, shall I? Like, I'll... I'll arrange these in the order of, of the levels. So the first one, first circle of hell is Limbo, which is Lydia in this. So Limbo is basically, Limbo is like not so bad. Limbo is just like, you didn't do anything wrong, but you're not a baptized Christian, so you don't get to go to heaven. That's what Limbo is. So what do you kind of think it means for Lydia to be there? That's interesting. I kind of took it literally, like she's between places, um, because she's kind of crazy at the moment, and she's in Eichenhaus, um, but I don't know if it has like a deeper meaning. Well, yeah, it's it's probably not. We're, it's probably not a Christian allegory, but that's where we get like the term limbo from. Like the the in between meaning of saying something's in limbo comes from the religious meaning, which is the place where un, like non-sinful but unchristian people go when they die, basically. So it's just this nothing place, like this, you know, stuck place. So that is the least bad circle of hell. That's the first circle. Um, so I'm not sure about Lydia being limbo and what that would mean. Like, you know, it could be that she's stuck between, like, the living and the dead or or something like that. Um, that would make sense given that she's a banshee. Yeah. So that that's quite interesting. And so I'll take you down the circles of hell because the orders he, the order that we have here isn't quite in order, I believe. The set. Oh, maybe it is. I feel like one of them was one of them was off. Second circle of hell is lust, which is Malia. And so the second circle of hell is for like that are uh, for people is for people overcome by lust. You know, letting their people who let their urges drive them, um, you know, whether that's sexual or, or not. Um, and in the poem, by the way, in, in the Inferno, um, like, he goes... It's kind of like a mean... It's kind of like a burn book, the poem, because it's like he goes through the... It, it's Dante going through hell, right? And then... So in Limbo, he sees, like, 
It's kind of like a fan fiction, like because he and he, and he populates each circle. Well, no, he populates each each circle of hell with like characters from history or real people from history that he thinks would have gone there. If you know what I mean, like um, he puts like you know Julius Caesar in limbo because he's not a Christian. You know, he's good guy but not a Christian. And then the second circle of hell, for example, he's got like. Helen of Troy and Cleopatra and um, Achilles, because these were all people whose, like, big flaws apparently came from, like, being driven by, like, sexual things. And so each circle of hell, he's like, oh, yeah, here's all these people that would have been here, if you know what I mean. Like, he goes and meets, like, all of these historical figures that he believes would have been in this circle of hell or, you know, or something like that. So... He's put Malia there. Well, he hasn't. Jeff has. So Jeff is Dante in this in this case, I guess. Um, I'm sure he'd enjoy that. But yeah, Malia, second circle of hell. So the second least bad, um, I guess. Or the, I don't know if they're meant to be like less least bad to worst, but I'm pretty sure they are. Malia's there because of lust. What's that all about? I mean, I think it has something to do with Theo because they've been kind of, I don't know, bringing up her and Theo a lot and how she's attracted to him and how, you know, he's part coyote and she's coyote. So there's some sort of connection between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some sexy tension bet- between them. Um, but yeah, I'm not not sure if that's going to be like a big factor for her this season. If it's going to be, you know, she's going to do something that she believes is wrong, you know, purely because she wants to bone Theo or something like that. Like if she's going to go against, you know, what she morally believes and and be just driven by those urges. I don't know. I can't really. Can't really imagine it going that far, but it could be. Um, so third circle is gluttony, uh, which is technically meant to be like, um, or like kind of the greed specifically for like food or drink or like wealth items, um, not not for money exactly, not for like, because that's avarice, which is a different thing, but um, uh. It's kind of like, you know, just luxury and waste and stuff like that and indulgence. And, and that one is Deucalion. And so Deucalion's back, which is exciting. So and we've seen in the trailer that he's back, and this is interesting, because um, uh, we know Chris is back as well, and he's one of the, the, the circles. But um, then there's someone else who we don't know why they're there, so we'll get there in a second. But first of all, how did you feel about, you know, Deucalion... Uh, coming back, obviously we already kind of heard that he was, but um, we get to see him in the trailer. So how how was that? Yeah, that's exciting. I think that he poses like he's an interesting character, just because when we last saw him, he was kind of given a second chance, and it'll be nice to know what he makes of that second chance. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. Do you think he's going to be, like, a good or a bad impressions so far? Do you think any, you know, anything good, anything bad? I mean, I would hope that he'd be good just because he got that very stern warning from (laughs) Derek and Scott. But 
Who knows? I think that Theo is going to end up manipulating him, whether Deucalion realizes that or not. I'm not sure. I mean, he's a pretty smart guy, and he's pretty used to manipulating people, so it's quite possible that he'll realize what's going on. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of reacts to everything that's going on this season. Yeah, yeah. And then what do you think it could mean that he is in there for excess, basically, like gluttony? Well, he wanted, like, a pack of the best of the best. They were all alphas, so that kind of seems like gluttony to me, but I don't know if that's going to have, like, if if that's going to be a part of this season, if there's going to be something else going on that will describe him as gluttony. Mm, It's interesting because, yeah, because he's kind of like, you know, we've talked about how, like, classy and wonderful and elegant he is, and people like that usually are quite, you know, they're kind of into that kind of extravagance. Um, It also includes, like, indulgence in, like, other kinds of addictions. So I don't know if that could in any way be anything, like if he has some sort of, like, supernatural addiction to something, you know, whether it's, like, magic or whether it's, like, something to do with his, you know, you know, blindness or form of blindness or just something more basic than that. So, um... Like, we haven't really seen much about, like, dependency in, in that kind of... I don't know if this is the right, like, platform to have that in that in this kind of show, but it could be interesting. We've talked before about, like, all the different types... If there's, like, ty- types of wolf spade that are, like, kind of, you know, fun for werewolves to play with rather than, you know, bad for them. So, we'll see. Um, the fourth circle of hell is greed, and that's more talking about avarice, like, greed for money you know the people who want to be rich they want or that you know power through money and and all of that kind of stuff um and that is the interesting one here because that is meredith and meredith is dead as far as we know um and as far as we know she's not coming back into um season 5b unlike jucalian and chris who's also on the list um, so do you think this is a clue that she is coming back or is this like just we ran out of people or like, or what? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we said, I don't think we were quite recording when we were talking about it, but they did include Scott on this list and I'm not sure. I think that was kind of purposeful because, you know, nobody really wants to attribute any of these to Scott because he really doesn't fit into any of them, but The fact that they chose Meredith is really interesting because all of these other people are going to be in season 5B. I don't think Meredith is, but I don't know if that's supposed to mean something, if it's supposed to be a clue or what. The only reason why I could think she would be associated with Greed is because she was, quote-unquote, the benefactor. Yeah, but it wasn't like she was doing that for her own financial gain. Like, you know, she was was doing that because... Like, she was sort of brainwashed by someone who was also not really in their own right mind either. Like, you know, like, that wasn't actual greed. So, yeah. Unless she's been fooling us all the whole time. I mean, it's possible, but maybe they just couldn't find anyone else that would technically fit greed. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Peter, like, why, why not Peter? Why not? I don't know, like, Kate, like, there's other people who I would have said are more, like, 
Yeah, and actually Peter would have been a lot better for greed. I feel like he is a very greedy person, not just like monetarily he wants to obviously live the way that he lives, but just everything he does in his life is kind of greedy. He always wants the best and he always kind of looks out for himself. Well, the next one, fifth circle of hell, so getting getting worse as we go down. So, so far we've just, you know, or Dante has decided, or someone has, I don't think he made them up, I think he just talked about them, has decided, you know, that, you know, Limbo's like, okay, like, lust is like, it's kind of bad, but whatever. Then we get into, like, greed-type ones, like gluttony and, and anger, so these are all kind of desire-based things. Uh, sorry, gluttony and, and greed desire-based things, and then we get into the kind of worse ones, which are um, anger, heresy, and violence. Um, And anger is the fifth circle, and I think they've put Liam for that. Like, it kind of... This is the one I was the most unsure about. Like, I couldn't quite see Liam in this person. Is this definitely Liam in this photo? Um... I'm pretty sure. Do you have a link to it? I'll look at it again. Me, but... I cannot see Liam in this photo. Like, I just, I can't tell who this is. Maybe it is. Maybe his face has changed. He's, you know, he's only 12. Like, his face is probably still growing. Like, but, like, <laughs> it's, I can't see who this is. Like, I can see the photo. I just don't recognize the, the person in it. So, maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. I mean, I'm bad at faces, and also to me, right this, now is not the best time for me. To me, this but... doesn't look like Sprayberry. I assume it is because he was very involved in like the online like treasure hunt thing. But yeah, I think it's Sprayberry, and also like Liam is the perfect person course, for anger. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But I just yeah, this photo, I don't know, it just doesn't look like him to me. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he's the perfect person for anger. Obviously, he um, he's dealt with it a lot in his past. And I when I talked to him at New York Comic Con, he said that it's it's kind of always going to be a part of him. Mm -hmm. Um, People kind of go up and down and and kind of like make their situations better, but also kind of fall back into their old habits. And so I think Liam's going to be doing that a lot. Even if he ends up moving forward past his anger, it's always going to be a part of him. So it definitely makes sense that this is something that he's associated with. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it definitely makes sense for him to associate with that. And I just don't know how much of, of that's going to come into this season like if you know what I mean like um if he's going to be back to the anger problem or not uh but obviously it was the crux of last season for him with with Scott so you know if he's kind of a weapon you know if he can if that can be like weaponized if people can Theo basically used Liam's anger again as a tool, you know, like against him. Um, and that is a very bad thing, and hopefully that doesn't continue to, to happen. So, ugh, I don't know. Um, yeah, so going down from anger is heresy, sixth circle of um, hell. So worse than getting angry, Dante says, is people who are... Um, heretical as in people who are you know renouncing religion so not just not just non-christians like in limbo but people who have actually 
experienced the faith or the culture and then given up on it and turned aside. And, and for that, uh, they've used in this in this metaphor Chris Argent, which is a really interesting choice. Um, and so do you think that that's because he, you know, turned his back on the hunter, like the hunters or, or something like that? Or he's doing something that, you know, they'd now consider heretical? Yeah, definitely, because the other more generic definition of heresy is opinion profoundly at odds with what is generally accepted. And Chris learned pretty early on that not all werewolves are bad. I mean, Scott kind of proved that to him. So I feel like this is literally the perfect definition for him. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and the, I mean, I wouldn't be very shocked to find that the, you know, the original Hunter code and all of that came from something very religious. Like, not that I think that these right. these these um, circles of hill are meant to be a particularly religious allegory, but. As a side note, I bet that the hunter thing started with, like, you know, in the same way that, like, you know, the, the Christians used to burn witches and stuff. Like, I bet that it came from Christian culture a long time ago. Um, uh, and fun fact, in the in the sixth circle of hell, um, the heretics are trapped in flaming tombs. So that sounds fun for Chris. Um, if that, if that awesome. uh, ends up being any kind of metaphor that comes into the show. Um, so that's the sixth circle. <laughs> Karen! <laughs> sorry, sorry, friends. Karen is, is um, having some complex... Having problems. trouble. <laughs> um, all right, you're good. My chair, <laughs> it won't. Is this the new, your new chair, the gigantic chair? Yeah, and my floors are uneven because this is a really old house and it needs to be leveled. And I keep rolling away from my desk. Oh my <laughs> it's really God. not okay. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. It's funny, though. Um, just put your feet on the floor. I am. It just keeps sliding away. <laughs> okay, are you ready to talk about violence? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, always. Um, uh, you know what my favourite bit of violence is? What? Oh, come on, Karen. I don't know. I can't think straight. Come on. What's the most important bit of violence that's happened to the internet in the last 28 hours? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm you're so- not. I, I- I am, I'm, I'm genuinely, like, objectively sorry for you. I'm also sorry that you've chosen to have feelings about someone who is inherently so shit. Like, um... He's not. He's oh. good. He just is bad about it. Yeah. Why am I so bad at being good? Sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. That was, like, a weird circular tangent. Um... We're obviously talking about the Civil War trailer and the bit uh, Clearly. where Bucky and Steve are in sync beating Tony down with the shield. Because here's the thing. I don't dislike Tony at all, just so you know. Like, I, I genuinely don't. And I think, That's good. I That's think, I, and I've got a really interesting thing for you to read, actually, um, which it's not like slagging him off or anything. But Tony is bad at people. 
and that's been very, made very clear. And all of his solo stories, he has a very good arc. He has a very important arc in his own stories. And I don't even think that he's out of place in this movie or anything. It's not like I'm like, ah, Tony's in the movie, go away. No. But he's not, like, super great, like, at being around other people. And I, this entire experience is just really interesting to me because he thinks that Steve is his friend, and I'm pretty sure that Steve has never thought that Tony was his friend. <laughs> like, legit, I really, like, and this is, this is, and it's kind of sad, honestly, because I think that Tony is really, really bad at understanding that people don't like him, and that sucks for him, but he sort of has dug himself into this hole. So, yeah, um... And also, I know how much he's going to, like, if it follows anything to do with the attitude that he has in the comics, like, it's going to suck how bad and gross he is in the thing, and I, it's not that I don't like him, it's just that I really like Steve, and so him, it's not like, it's not like I want to see them beat, it's not like I think he's like Gerard and I want someone to kill him, it's just that... It's just really good. Honestly, I probably would have liked to see Stephen Bucky beating anyone in, like, tandem with the shield. Like, that would have been good. It's just uh, interesting. But I'm quite sad for Tony that he's so pathetic that he thinks that, like, Steve is a friend who owes him any loyalty. Uh, But I totally understand how he got there. It's just not objectively true. So... Let's move on back to Teen Wolf, and I'll send you this thing later. It's quite sad, but very sympathetic. Um, Violence. Violence. Let's talk about violence. Violence. (laughs) Yeah. So, Styles, obviously, because Styles is the Bucky Barnes of the Teen Wolf universe. Um, So, he is violence, which is really, um, I mean, at the moment, quite uh, obvious. It's, it's, It's the thing that he... It sort of has hanging over him at the moment that he, you know, hurt, you know, killed Donovan or kind of caused Donovan's death. And also that, you know, something that we've talked about many times, like that he has this sort of very grey area tendency, this ruthlessness that could lead him to do all sorts of things that, you know, he wouldn't really think think twice about. And he also has kind of the Nagitsune past, like we don't know how much he remembers, like all of those acts he did. Um, a theory that kind of I have about these circles of hell, I mean, I don't know how much this is going to play into the season at all, or if this is just going to be, um, you know, just, just this advertising campaign and that's it. But it could be that these are kind of the things that they have hanging over them in their own opinions, like that, you know, Styles might objectively not be that violent, but that he, it's something that he thinks he is or that he's scared of in the same way as Malia, like, you know, it's not like we're objectively like, oh, Malia's all lusty, if you know what I mean. But maybe it's something that she thinks is doing something, you know, something to her. It could be kind of their fears of what they're becoming or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't, we don't know if it's like something like that they're the poster boy for that or if they are, you know, it's more the thing that they're kind of scared of becoming. Because I feel like that's quite fitting for Liam, it's quite fitting for Chris, Styles probably, and, and Malia um, as well. We don't know about Meredith and Decalion and stuff. So, yeah. 
Um, but this idea, this basically, this thing that's hanging over their heads, like, they've taken the path that ultimately they've chosen to take, like Chris, for example, but it might always be at the back of his head that, like, it feels a bit wrong for some reason. Like, even though he knows it's not wrong, it still is always going to feel a little bit wrong, if you know what I mean, because of how he grew up and stuff like that. Yeah. You okay? Yeah. You just did a big sigh. Yeah. What's wrong? Nothing. Okay. Was my was my, was my my talk about Dante's Inferno too boring? No, not at all. Okay. Okay, sire. Um, all right. So, anything else about Styles and violence? Like, what do you think we're going to see with him being, you know, in relation to violence? I mean, I would be interested to know if he's going to commit another act like he did before. Like, a more purposeful one? Maybe. Hmm, because we've obviously got that thing of him and Scott fighting, which we're not allowed to talk about anymore because we got in trouble. So, um, but there was that in the initial trailer, like him going after Scott. Right. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It definitely fits, but I'm not sure, like, what direction they're going to take these circles of hell. Like, you know, if it's a label that they're giving to these characters or if it's something these characters are sort of thinking or fearing about themselves. Um, so violence, 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 la di da di da where are we? That one, FYI, the seventh circle of hell, violence, it's guarded by the Minotaur. So that's something that we haven't, uh, a piece of mythology that we haven't seen in Teen Wolf yet, but not that I think these are going to be an exact... Uh, replica of what happens in the show but there's lots of mythology in the um, Divine Comedy which is what the trilogy of poems that this Circles of Hell thing is in Theo is fraud and these are um, this is is talking about like conscious trickery basically like um, you know people who purposely fuck you over and so obviously that's Theo um, and that's apparently worse than, you know, all of these, and I think that kind of makes sense in a way, because, like, yeah, anger and violence, they're bad, and they might lead to, you know, you killing someone, and all of the, all of those kind of things are really bad, but they're also very hot-headed, like lust, and violence, and anger, they're often, like, they're kind of passionate sins, quote-unquote, things that happen to you, driven by emotion, if you know what I mean, and, and, and they're very hot-headed, and those kind of things, in my opinion of the world, are kind of a bit more excusable than, like, even if someone's really angry and, you know, of course, you know, if the end result is that they've killed someone, it's not good. But if some things that are done, like, in a hot-headed way are more forgivable to me, kind of, than things that are done in a cold, calculated way. And the last ones, which are fraud and treachery, um, those are the ones that are uh, considered the worst in, in the Dante um, poem, uh, in the Inferno. So we've got Theo as fraud, which is obviously, you know, he, he, he sucks and he lies and he plots and <laughs> plans and he does all of those kind of things. Um, do you think he's going to keep doing such things in, in this season? Clearly. I mean, I feel like that's just 
part of his person at this point. Yeah, I'm still curious about, like, a lot of things with him. Mainly the creepy parent thing, like, and, like, what the hell he did to his sister, and just, like, if he's just been a sociopath from birth, like, if he was replaced with a, you know, like, weird droid or something, like, when he was a child, and that he's, like, not, you know, if something happened to him, like, I don't know, it's crazy how he is, um, but, yeah, I don't know, it's very... (laughs) Um, creepy and and horrible. Um, but that's him. Uh, I'll be curious to know because they kind of know at this point what he's after and that he's not everything that he had appeared to be in 5A. If, if they're kind of going to kind of like understand that he's this different person in 5B that they can't trust him and yet... They still have to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I can't believe that everyone trusted him for so long in 5A. I'm kind of like, really, guys? Like, I know it was kind of the whole crux of the the season, but I was still kind of like, why? Why is this? Um, You know, how did they basically go this long, you know, um, thinking that it was okay? Uh, But... More interesting than Theo, because we know Theo sucks, is that the worst circle of hell, the ninth circle of hell, the closest one to the centre of hell, um, is treachery, so betrayal um, and that kind of stuff. Like, they basically, they are... Let me read you a little bit about, about treachery, according to Dante, because I know everyone cares deeply about ancient mythology. Um... The traitors are distinguished from the merely fraudulent, so the people who, like, lie and trick to get by, in that their acts involve betraying a special relationship of some kind. There are four concentric zones or rounds of traitors. They correspond to, um, in order of serious, to betrayal of family um, ties, uh, betrayal of community ties, betrayal of guests and betrayal of liege lords like this is very old-fashioned but like there used to be a whole like thing like with it, like if someone was a guest in your house and they'd eaten of your bread or whatever that like if you did so there used to be like guest right and basically it meant that like if you were staying with someone and then they killed you it was like a crime and i'm like that's it's probably a crime anyway to kill someone but it was this whole <laughs> thing uh, the point is, there's stuff. It like... reminds me a lot of Greek mythology. Like there was a lot of mythology centered around that sort of thing too. Yeah. Well, let me tell you like the kind of levels of of people that ended up in treachery because we're talking about like uh, Cain, as in the biblical Cain and Abel, who like he killed his brother. They were like the sons of Adam and Eve. Um, and basically, traitors in that bit are immersed in in ice up to their chins. Uh, and um, Mordred, who um, killed King Arthur, um, his, who was his father, is, is there. So that kind of thing. Um, then there's um, another one, which has Anator of Troy, who was like the Trojan who apparently betrayed his city to the Greeks. Uh, there's another round um, who is named after Ptolemy, who was a person in... I think that was Greek or Roman. I think it was Greek. Basically, that's the guest right one where he killed all of these people at a banquet in his own house. Bit Red Wedding, if you know what I mean. That's why kind of the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones was such a big 
deal because they broke guest right. Like it was like it's like like it's like a deadly sin like to have done that. Like and and that's sort of what the thing in Game of Thrones is like as well. And then there's another one after Judas Iscariot who betrayed Christ basically, and that's the one that's like the betrayer of, of people. You know your liege lord or your you know your um overseer. So that is meant to be the worst one, that the, the Betrayal of Christ one. The person that they've got to represent all of these fantastic, personal, deeply cutting betrayals, the worst sin of all, is Kira. So, what do you want to say about that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that she's considered the harbinger of death, um, and that Scott has said in the past that she, that he can't trust her anymore. But really, I mean, none of that is Kira's fault. So I'm kind of curious where they're going to take this. Yeah, I mean, because like it's like it seems a bit harsh. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's a bit yeah, a bit harsh. But um, but yeah, like you know, we don't know how much you know. She again is this just like a weird semi-nonsensical thing or is or is this like really bad stuff to come involving her right like I'm kind of wondering if they chose these people for these certain circles of hell because they fit or because it's going to actually be a big part of season 5b yeah so I mean that's the question that we probably should have like maybe tried to find an answer to before recording this podcast because we've just talked for about 45 <laughs> minutes about the circles of hell but that's fine I'm sure someone will be interested. Um, anyway, so that is um, the posters, and we don't know how what that's going to mean, but now you know some facts about Dante Alighieri's um, Divine Comedy that you can tell people and feel smart if you want. This is actually something that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode about things that you have learnt from Teen Wolf, because that is the thing we want to talk about later. Um, but those are the posters um, that we have, uh, that have been released as promo, and um, the the tagline of the the season at the end of the um, the trailer is is something about hell. It's like to go ready to go back to hell or something like that. What is it exactly? To Helen. I think it's to Helen, to Helen back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is um, going to be interesting. So I'm really curious to see how much all of this actually plays in and how much more research about Dante that I'm going to have to do. Uh, Okay, do you want to take us through the points in the actual trailer? Yeah, because I watched this about like a dozen times and there's a lot to look at here actually, but one of the first things I wanted to bring up was Malia telling Scott that she can't help him and she's sort of standing on her porch. I don't know why this is important to me, but the fact that she was standing on her porch where her father lives was like really important to me. Yeah. And it just, it meant a lot. Am I alone in that? Um. No, I don't think so. I think that it was like oh, I was actually like, oh my god, she's at her house. She's with Bear Trap Dad and stuff. Like, like I was actually weirdly excited by this. Um, in a way, I, it was one of my favorite moments, like seeing her at home. For some reason, like I don't know if that means that she's like distanced herself, like because she was pretty much just like living at Styles's house. Um, or if she's just right. like leave, leave me alone, like Scott going into her space. Like she kind of always comes to them, if you know what I mean. Like she. So her, like, you know, him having to seek her out at her place, I think is kind of 
probably significant of her kind of being like, can you guys leave me alone, maybe? Yeah, and the fact that she told Scott that she can't help him, I wonder how early on this in the season this is, because we know that he's going to struggle to, like, bring his pack back together, but is this part of that? Is it a part of a different storyline? We just don't know at this point. I don't know either, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. What is it you think that she, thinks she you think that she can't help with? I don't, something to do with the Dread Doctors? I really don't know. Or just, like, being on Scott's side again in any way? Or, like, I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Like, or something specific. I know that one of the bits of our feedback we got talks a little bit about this, so maybe we can talk about that more then, because they think it's just a bit of a red herring-y kind of thing. So we can talk about that then, maybe. Yeah, could be. Mm. The next bit that was really interesting was somebody behind, like, bars or, like, a cage was screaming, and it was definitely female, but I don't know if we're supposed to know who that is. No, I didn't. I didn't know either, so I I really did not know that know who that was. Yeah, and then next is Scott having more asthma attacks. He's sort of falling against the wall, which I think is really interesting, and is probably going to be a part of his story for Five B because he's going to have to get over that at some point. Yeah, I mean, presumably this is still very close to 5A, like, as as, as these seasons always are, we know that it's going to carry on immediately, you know, so that he had, and, and, you know, he was having that happen, you know, we're going to watch it, he would have had one last night, if you know what I mean, like, even though it's however many months apart. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're still happening, but I'd really like to get to the bottom of like why they're happening and and how they're physically being caused to his body if his body is so you know impenetrable if you know what I mean like if it's completely mental or if it's like an actual weakness in his physicality or what right I'd like to think that it's mental and maybe once he gets his pack back it'll all go away. Yeah, I would hope so, but I'd actually really like them to talk more in some way about what that means, whether that was sort of Jeff or Posey, you know, in an interview talking about it or or having some sort of conversation about it on screen, you know, on screen maybe with Melissa. Right. Yeah. Now, next we see Styles running, and Scott is there, and they're talking to each other. I'm curious where this falls in the timeline, because we don't know if this is the first time Scott and Styles are talking since 5A, or if it's just more of a significant, like, time that they're actually speaking to each other. And is he practicing for lacrosse, because we know that Styles is or we know that Coach is apparently coming back. Um, are you talking about the bit that looks like they're in the desert? Or, like, outside? Yeah. Like, the brightly lit bit? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks to me like... That's not, like, the training field. That's, like, the hills of California. So I don't know if they're, like, out, you know, like, running in the country or something like that. You know, countryside. Like, if it's... 
voluntary or not. Um, yeah. Well, that was my thing. Like, I feel like maybe Scott is getting ready for lacrosse practice, but at the same time, would he necessarily do that? Because he's always kind of been like a reluctant runner. <laughs> well, that's true. I don't know. Um, I feel I do feel like this is like first conversation though. Like, I think this is. This is very, like, Styles' body language is very, like, kind of defensive. And I feel like this is, like, mm-hmm. first interaction in some way of, you know, after this drama has happened, basically. And then the next bit we get is, I think, Scott asking, you want my help? And then Styles saying, you said you can find the clues I can't. Which, what do you think this is a part of? I, I, I don't know. I've, I've watched that bit, like, quite a few times over, and I still don't really understand it. So did you have any kind of idea of how that is meant to flow? Not really, unless it has something to do with his dad. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you said you can find the clues I can't. Maybe he's talking about, like, I don't know, maybe he's talking about, like, Scott's powers, that, you know, being able to track something, you know, like being able to smell, you know, something in terms of evidence. I, I, I don't know. I would have thought it was, like, the other way around, if you know what I mean. Like, and just the conversation, like, if it's Scott saying, you want my help, like, maybe what happens is that Scott goes to him initially and was like, let me look after you. Let me help with your dad. You know, let he, I love him too. You know, let me. And he goes to him. And Styles is like, get the hell away from us. You didn't believe me. I can't deal with this. You need to back off. And then later on, Styles is like, like, actually, I'm screwed. And Scott's like, you want my help? If you know what I mean? Like, like that Scott's offered once and been told to go away by Styles, basically. Yeah, and I think the interesting part is this kind of overlays a scene of Styles sitting alone yeah. in some chairs with some people behind him. Do you think this is the hospital waiting room? I mean, the people kind of seemed a little too happy for it to be the hospital waiting room, <laughs> but I couldn't I know, figure out they, what else it could be. Maybe they've all just had babies or something. Like, um, I don't know. Maybe. People are ha- that. Yeah, I mean, there's... I don't know, they could be... It looks like a waiting room. There's a vending machine and chairs and stuff. Maybe the extras right. did, didn't know to look solemn enough or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah. But I assume that that's, you know, him at the hospital. We've got to assume that, I think. Yeah, and then basically Theo says, you know, he knows what's coming. I, I'm guessing this is in terms of the Beast, but do you think he's going to help them with the Beast, or is he going to manipulate them to kind of work for his own ends? I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be like, the you're, you've got an enemy and I've got an enemy and we're both going to be screwed, or if he's still trying to play, you know, power games. So... Um, I really don't know about that. I feel like Theo is always going to play power games. Whether or not they know that he's evil or at least bad, he's always going to try to manipulate the situation in his favor. Because he says, it, yeah, the line, he goes, he's kind of talking to someone who might be Scott or, you know, Styles or someone, and he, and he goes, you know, maybe I'm not the good guy in your eyes, and it kind of cuts off, and it's like, it's, it might obviously say something like, 
you know, but I'm not the bad guy compared to that guy, if you know what I mean. Like, so Mm -hmm. it could be that, but we don't know if that's sincere or if that's just more double-crossing, you know? Right, and I want to skip our next point and go to the the one after that because someone's asking Deucalion how to steal the beast's power, mm-hmm. and I feel like even though we don't know it specifically, it's got to be Theo. Yeah, I mean, is it definitely that someone's asking him, or is that that's just sort of how Deucalion chooses to answer? Like you know, like um, yeah, you know, maybe someone was asking about the beast, like Styles or Scott, and he was just like he assumed that that's what they meant, but. It does sound like a Theo type thing to do, or maybe the Dread Doctors are torturing him or something and he's talking to them. And this is overlaid with him looking at something in like a little bottle, like some, I don't know if it's supposed to be Wolfsbane or Mountain Ash or what, but. Alien? Are you talking about? No, Theo. So I, I just feel like he's definitely up to something, and even though he's willing to help Scott and Styles, he's kind of got his own agenda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely implied like that. I would, I would say um, that he has an agenda. Um, I just don't know. Like, yeah, you know, he's wanted to steal. You know, stealing the the power from different supernatural things is certainly what the Dread Doctors were trying to do. Um, we don't know if, the, you know, Theo was involved in perfecting that or not, or if he kind of wants to try and do it for himself. Obviously, he wants power all the time, but, we do, you know, I don't know if how, how you would physically do that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, going back just a little bit, we see a little bit of fire in the middle of the Namaton, which is surrounded by dead bodies. I found this really interesting. I don't know if this is meant to be sort of like a spark of life or what kind of significance the fire has. I mean, obviously, Parrish has some connection to fire, but what necessarily does the Namaton have to do with that? Uh, Well, my big thing about that is, like, those bodies have been there for a while. Like, surely you got to get rid of them somehow. <laughs> like, sometime. He's just giving them a respectful cremation. I don't know. Like, um, that that's all I've got. Like, I, I've always, like, for the whole season, been like, aren't those going to rot or something? Like, you can't just keep all the bodies there for this long. So, I don't know. Yeah. That's Any theories on your actually. end? <laughs> um... Not really. Like, I wonder if they're all going to come alive, but I don't really see that happening. Um, or if maybe that's just a way to get rid of the evidence is to burn them all. It's not just evidence. It's you've got a pile of rotting bodies. Like, it's <laughs> you can't just keep them there. Um, so I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a bit, bit hung up on that, but never mind. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's talk about one of the biggest moments of this trailer, which is that Gerard is back. He's actually back. He's not looking too great, but he's walking, and Gerard is back. So do you think that he's finally going to die at this point? I don't know. I mean, he's working with Chris, and Chris really Mm. hates him. So Yeah, seems reluctant to work with him, honestly. So it's basically it's got to mean that he's got something that, you know, that Chris needs, like that he knows something. You know, the, the Beast of Jevedon, you know, is obviously an Argent legend, you know, like fr- from 
maybe he, you know, has information that he refused to, like, just give up to Chris without being involved or or mm-hmm. something. But, you know, he's back. We've been waiting and he's back. And it's interesting to see him on the same side with Chris and presumably on the same side with um, all of our pack. Like, unless Chris has decided he's not on their side anymore. But, you know, like maybe Chris has gone yeah. back to the other way. I definitely got the impression that he, that Chris kind of reluctantly called upon Gerard Mm. to get some information that he was not aware of, um, because Gerard has obviously been around for a lot longer and would know about the Beast of Jevedon, so I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that this will finally be the season that puts him in the ground, but... Yeah, Michael Hogan is kind of a big deal, so I wouldn't be surprised also if they kind of kept him around as long as possible. Yeah, like, I know they've been trying to, you know, work him back in for a long time, and, you know, the actor's availability is a big part of it. Uh, We've learned so much doing this show about how, like, actors work and how they, like, rank different shows in their, like, like, with their agents, so, like, a a show can have, like, preferential... Uh, ownership of an actor which means that you know if they want to do another show they can't if this one show says we need you to not do anything else in just in case we need you or something like that all sorts of stuff like that and um all of these weird facts that we've learned about how the industry works since knowing um so much about the behind the scenes of teen wolf um and and these guest stars but he's here and I guess this is what they meant at New York Comic Con when they were like, another Argent's coming back. And we were like, it's got to be Kate. And it's totally not. It's Gerard. <laughs> but, you know. <sighs> Which I'm kind of glad because I've been wanting to see him dead for a very long time. Who who do you most want to kill him? Or do you think he'll die, like, in a flame of glory, like, doing something good? Or do you think he'll die oh, because God. one of the heroes kills him? <laughs> I I don't know if one of the heroes would necessarily kill him, but I don't see him going down in a flame of glory just because, like, he doesn't deserve that. He's such a horrible like he human He doesn't deserve man. a redemption moment. Exactly. Like, I would actually hate to see him have a redemption moment, so... I, I think I agree. I don't pretty, know if I would... Pretty gross. Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily want to see one of the heroes, like Scott or Chris, take him down, or if I would just want to see, like, one of the bad guys take him down. What about Styles? Maybe. I mean, that would kind of work. Um, I would like it, given that St- oh, St- oh, where's Derek? Like, you know that I'm, I'm not the world's biggest Derek shipper or anything, but can you imagine if Styles and Derek were the ones to take out Gerard? Like just, that... be, but just both because of their like gray moral compass and like their pasts with him and like what he's done to them and and stuff like that and what they are compared to what Scott is like. Can you just imagine? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Them both beating on him with the shield. Like, sorry, I just got distracted. Um. um... <laughs> <sighs> Wait a second, did you just compare Gerard to Tony? No, I didn't mean to. I just mean the image of two people really badass in sync taking out someone else. I'm really sorry that that person happens to be Tony, but it's the best choreographed <laughs> fight scene I've ever seen. So just, and you can't deny that, even though it's true. I know, I know. I mean, as much of a Tony fan as I am, I like, was Even if that had been a villain well. like Crossbones or something that's going to be in, in Civil War, like, I don't care who that third person... I mean, I, 
I do in some ways. Like, I'm about Tony, I'm more interested in that solo fight between him and Bucky because that's directly ripped from the comics. Like, that's a that's a pan, mm-hmm. like almost a panel for panel shot of uh, the comics. Spoiler alert: after Steve dies, um, when Tony when Bucky goes after Tony after Steve dies um, in after Civil War. Spoiler alert: which is probably going to happen in this movie. Uh, but... I don't want to talk about it. I really don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it. Karen, I can't. I'm I'm not going to be able to watch it. Like, I am, but, like, I can't watch him die. But he he is going to. Like, it's – he'll come back, but I'm 85% sure in this movie he's going to die. Anyway. uh, Anyway, the point is – the point is – the point is that scene I'm interested in, the fight between Tony and Bucky by themselves, point is further back than that, fight scene – Derek and Styles killing Gerard would have been good. Further back than that, Gerard needs to die. Full stop. Maybe Lydia. I don't know. Someone. Styles just ha- like he electrocuted him. Like he like he he tortured him with a bat. Like you know like maybe he didn't electrocute him. No, he electrocuted Boyd and Erica. Um, he beat Styles with a baseball bat. What if Styles gets a baseball bat and beats him to death? That would be nice. Either way, Gerard needs to die. Yeah. But anyway, that would be good. But he's yes. here and he's apparently helping. Yeah, he can walk. And Let's stuff. talk he's about not, Deaton. He's not like dribbling like black stuff, as far as we can see. <laughs> yeah, but he he looked weak, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he looks a bit doddery, but he's quite an old man. Like, what are we gonna see about like what the hell that whole you know bite that didn't quite take happened like to him? Like, how how is that gonna work? I don't know, because I'm still hoping that he's, like, something other. Like what? Like Ekanema? Like, just sick? I I don't know. Like, I don't think he would be Ekanema, but I would hope that he's something maybe we haven't seen before. Yeah. Why? Because he's so gross. An unprecedented level of horror. Maybe he's the Beast of (laughs) Shevardon. Maybe, although that would be interesting to see, like, him and the Dread Doctors on the same side. I don't know. That seems very bad in my eyes. I don't know. I mean, is the Beast of Jevedon something the Dread Doctors made specifically? Or they're trying to recreate the Beast of Jevedon? Obviously, the original one is from, like, a million years ago. Or something, not a million, but, you know. Um, yeah. Are they making a I new one, or have they found the original re- one? Mm, I think they created it. I think they recreated it. For their own purpose. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, let's talk about Dean, because Dean is tied to a chair, yeah, and he's he looking looks... pretty beat up. Yeah, and there was that, that was him that was getting, like, slammed up against a wall and his face mashed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I have a feeling this has something to do with the desert wolf, because obviously the last time we saw him, yeah. she had him in, his, in her clutches. Yeah. Fun. You know, are you excited about that? I know how much you hate Deaton. I am a bit. Um, I'm. I don't know. This desert wolf nonsense is like really stressful to me. Like, I, I'm like, why is this woman such a bitch? Like, why is? This... <laughs> Sorry. Like, I don't know how to put it better than that. But like, why is she so like full of hate and wanting to kill all of these people, including her daughter? Like, is she like hardcore on the side of like quote unquote good, if you know what I mean? And like, she's doing something that she believes to be right. Or, like, is there, like, evidence for something that she's trying to hide? Or, like, like what the hell is this woman's problem? Because this is irrational behavior. 
Yeah, well, I don't think we're ever supposed to, like, understand where she's coming from. I feel like she's always going to sort of be on that other side where she's going to have to be taken down at one point or another. I mean, we're always going to be on Malia's side, you know? Yeah, yeah. Huh, I don't know. I'm curious to find out what the weird motivation she has, you know, about killing her daughter, you know, is that she's tried to do repetitively, like, you know, um, and and why that is such a, a problem for her. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we have enough information and about that. And obviously Deaton's trying to protect her. And I don't know, at this point, I kind of... Uh, maybe I have to admit that Deaton is not, like, a slimy double agent who's evil. <laughs> He's just a really shit good guy. Like, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, like, that he's, you know, he is actually on the side of, of good, like, without any other motivations, and that he, he is actually prioritising helping these children. He's just really crap at it. So... Yeah. I don't know which I would prefer because I kind of wouldn't mind seeing him as a Harrison Wells for all of you, the Flash fans out there. But okay, just I, that that situation, I haven't, I have not watched very much of the Flash. But that guy, he is evil, right? Yes. And do they still not know he's evil? No, they know. Okay, I was like, how long did it take them to find out that he was like evil, like? Like a season. Yeah, like a, like um, like, but it was introduced in the first episode that he was evil. Um, actually, no, I don't think it was. Yeah, oh it was no, like it was, it her. was, because I've I've only seen the first episode, and it happened in the first episode. Oh. Yeah. It was like straight away you knew that he had this like, mo- selfish motivation, not evil, 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 but like this selfish motivation. Dodgy. And that he wasn't who the kids thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe it was the second episode. No, I don't know. Maybe I watched more than one. But yeah, I don't know. It's I can't believe they dragged that out for a season. But um, it was good though. It worked. Uh, hashtag Supergirl. Um, but <laughs> what? Just funny. I don't know. Anyway, I really like Supergirl. Um, but me too. I don't know. Deaton. It would have been more interesting to have him be like weird and evil, but. Or, like, have something else to him, you know, like, than just, like, failed protector. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than being so terrible, it would have been nice to know that he was actually, like, he had an ulterior or something. Yeah, that he had an ulterior motive. Yeah. I don't really know. But he's, you know, something's happening. Do you think he'll die? Um, I doubt it. They're going to keep him around forever. Probably. Yeah. To be the guide. They'll just be cockroaches and Deaton. (laughs) (sighs) Cockroaches and Deaton. Um, Okay, so next we see Parrish show up at Eichenhaus. He's in the shower with Lydia. And um, I mean... I have a feeling this is like a vision. Not that real. This isn't... Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't really foresee this actually happening. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, because that that would be quite graphic if it was. For some reason, this show in the show, it's like okay to be like super sexy when it's not real. But like we haven't really seen two people naked in the shower together, so like I feel like it's not real. 
Right. Like Lydia and Parrish have gone like to some lengths together, but it's all been hallucinations. So their relationship is not really real at all. Here's my question. Do you think it is hallucinations that they are both experiencing or only one of them? Oh, good question. I would assume that only Parrish is experiencing them. Like the thing in the car with the kiss and the burn face. Right. And then the queen on the cards. I don't know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want that card. Um, But (laughs) I don't know. I do. I thought it was a really cool prop. I'm like, someone had to draw one Rodin and then make it into a playing card, and I want it. So, yeah. um, If you're listening out there, Teen Wolf people, send me some cards. Um, But, no. Um... Yeah, so I don't know, like, I feel like they're, you know, they they could be one-sided, but, like, what if they're both having, like, mutual hallucinations and that they've both been having these weird sexy experiences together on the astral plane or something, like, you know? I mean, I think I would find that much more interesting. Yeah. Well, but I don't really see it happening. Like, I think that's definitely Parrish struggling with his own abilities. Yeah, um, and I don't know, like, do you think these are just visions, or do you think that there's something more to it, like, that he can do something with it? I think they're just visions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't mean something. Hmm. I don't know. This is very stressful, and apparently something people don't like very much, but never mind. Um... Um, yeah, it's just a bit interesting, like, that he, you know, that this keeps happening. And, and do you think that, you know, this kind of stuff is coming purely because he fancies Lydia or it's coming because it's some sort of death omen, like the kind of experiences that she brings? I mean, I definitely think that he fancies Lydia, but I don't necessarily think that like disregards the fact that they have this connection that they're both associated with death. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that should be fun. Uh, but yeah, they're there and, uh, you know, he, he his part seems to be getting bigger and bigger in all of it really. Yeah. Which is good because I want to know more about him and his abilities. Yeah. So let's talk about Malia, because we see Kira in the morgue, and somebody is clearly after her. I got the impression that it was Malia. Did you get that same impression? No, I didn't think about it, actually, like that at all. Like, I just, just there's always someone after them. I didn't assume it was, like, girl-on-girl <laughs> fight, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I don't know about that. The only reason why I thought it was Malia was, this is kind of dumb, but she was wearing shorts, and I feel like Malia just wears shorts a lot, and it kind of just looked like Malia. Not that that necessarily means that it was her, but yeah, I definitely got like the impression that it was Malia going after Kira in the morgue, although I have no idea why she would. Maybe Kira is evil now. I don't know. Like, she's the worst circle of hell. Like, what are we going to do about that? (laughs) Like, write a strongly worded letter. Um, You know, maybe maybe the thing, you know, if they're fighting, it means that one of them is on another side to the other. And I, I don't know what sides those would be. Like, if it's straight up bad and good or if it's, you know, 
a personal matter or, or, or what? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, Malia was showing a lot of rage throughout this entire trailer. I mean, she talked about, like, she said, I could kill you, and she was attacking Theo. So I wonder if there's going to be specific storyline with her not being able to control her abilities or if somebody's controlling her, if maybe the Dread Doctors are involved. I have no idea. Malia. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a bit at the very beginning with Kira in, like, I assume the desert, you know, her whole, like, vision quest thing. Like, at least she's running Mm -hmm. in a very yellow, sandy place. Uh, But Malia, I don't know, like, if she's going to, who she's going to stand with. Like, obviously she's got bigger problems with her mother coming to kill her and stuff, but um, Mm -hmm. maybe that's kind of what she, her whole thing is. Like, maybe she's like, look, I've got my own stuff going on I've got to put me first I've got to have me and me alone you know deal with these things I can't I can't deal with any of these other things and that's why she rejects Scott and maybe I don't know like both of them seem like they have the power or the possibility to I don't know in some way be controlled I guess like like Kira and her like uncontrollable fox Nagitsune um, type person. I will say that there's one scene earlier on, the thing with um, Deaton being taped to the chair, if it is Deaton in the chair, if you know what I mean, um, with you talking about shorts, he's being raised off the ground in that chair, like the feet and the and the legs of the chair aren't touching mm-hmm. him. And there's a girl, it looks like Malia, like shorts and her haircut. Like, is she doing that? Is she, like, or is she on the same side as her mother? Like, or is she fighting for Deaton against her mother? But whoever's on that chair getting lifted off the ground by their throat or whatever, Malia is in that scene. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I necessarily saw that. Okay, well, she is. It definitely looks like her, like, shorts and that haircut. Um, she's in the background when whoever's in the chair, presumably Deaton, is getting lifted off the ground, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But maybe the mum likes to wear shorts too. Maybe that maybe that's her mum and maybe that's her mum going after Kira. So, um, yeah, I definitely can see the stills of, you know, the other girl in the fight now. I don't know if I think it's Malia or not, though. Um, I think it definitely is in the Deaton scene. So maybe she is, you know fighting for something else at the moment yeah i mean the unfortunate thing about trailers is that they can cut them any way they want so yeah. even if we can interpret it one way it doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to play out in the season yeah yeah that's true um <sighs> i don't know all right well one of the next things we see is lydia and she sees this like goopy oily thing coming out of the bathtub in eigen house and we had actually seen this before in a previous trailer i think it was um and it might have even been part of what we see what we've seen for 5a but it doesn't necessarily explain what that oily thing is do you have any theories no sorry i do not me neither <laughs> i have no idea what it is dripping on the ground like the blood or the black stuff like dripping onto the silver mm-hmm. dust or whatever with around that Ducalian scene but i really i don't know 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen, like, that black kind of goopy stuff before, but I don't know if that necessarily means that it's the same type of thing. Yeah. But what we do see is Theo's sister, I'm assuming, rising from the water. Um, It's... It's something that we've seen Lydia do before, like go in that water and kind of in that scene. But this is the first time that we've actually seen Theo's sister rising from the water. So I wonder how, like, how much of a role she's going to play. If it's just going to be that quick succession of images or if Lydia is actually going to be talking to her or something like that. I don't know. Do we know who the actress is? Because it's cut right before Hayden says she can't die again, if you know what I mean. And um, and then it shows this girl coming out of the water to me looks kind of like Hayden. And we've heard as well that, like, there's a reason that Hayden and her sister apparently have, like, different last names. Uh, not that I think that Theo's sister is Hayden because they're, like, not the same race. Even if they were, um, I don't know, they there could have been some adoption thing, but I don't know. I just thought that those two scenes cut together were like, I don't know, quite, quite interesting. Um, Yeah. I feel like, I mean, trailers a lot of the times cut scenes together to kind of mislead you. And I, I specifically felt like this is one of those scenes where they wanted to mislead you. I feel pretty strongly that even though Hayden said that the person rising from from the water was not Hayden. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, um, yeah, I just got very confused in terms of, of not who it was. I knew it was meant to be Theo's sister scene, but, like, yeah, what what's going on there and how much we are going to find out about that story, basically. Um, I've just discovered something thanks to someone on Tumblr in the ask box telling us to go look for it. Not right now, obviously, they can't hear us, but coincidentally... Um, they mentioned um, that there was someone getting killed by claws um, in the trailer, um, someone getting their uh, throat cut, actually. And they've said, if I can see good, it's Meredith, don't you think? And I went back and paused it, and it is. So she is in this season. See, I was confused by that, too. I knew that it was Meredith, but I didn't know if it was some sort of, like, flashback or something i don't know i was really confused why she was popping up again because you know she you know it shows her getting killed and that's not the way that she died if she really did die if you know what i mean so you know it could be a vision of lydia you know lydia having this vision because she has this weird guilt about meredith and all of that kind of stuff you know if she's in you know you know and who says that if Lydia's a banshee and she can communicate with other banshees and banshees do stuff with dead people, like, who says that the banshee, you know, has to be alive for Lydia to communicate with them? So Meredith could be back. Like, she's the kind of dead person that could be back, or maybe she was never really back. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's there, or at least someone's having a vision of her getting her throat cut. So I still don't know how that's going to play into her being, like, greed, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if she had, like, a bigger arc this season or 
a continuation of her story because I found it really interesting when we met her before and the fact that her story was kind of over with previously was a little disappointing. So I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing her again. Yeah. It's just uh, quite quite a confusing or curious choice to bring back in. So there must be a reason for it. Yeah, and speaking of Lydia, we see her screaming as Styles, Scott, and Deaton hold her down. And I wonder if this is like, I mean, I would assume this is, yeah, and I would assume this is after her rescue. Yeah, me too. Um, And I assume they're trying to... So what do you think? I was going to say, like, help her, but also they could be trying to, like, sedate her if she's, like, taken over with something. But I honestly... Don't know, like, maybe she... I don't know. It was... Yeah, the, I'm, I'm just sort of replaying it again without the sound, and it's... Like, yeah, they, they've got her... Like, she's coming back up, and Deaton's trying to, like, inject something into her neck, so that's always a nice and pleasant image to, to have. So what on earth could they be doing there? Right, like, I was wondering what is going on with her mentally, because she has gone through some stuff because of Theo, and she's not quite right, and I wonder if this is going to be kind of the culmination of what's going on with her mentally. Yeah, I mean, but what on earth good could, you know, you don't treat mental problems by injecting someone in the neck, so, like, what's going on there? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, we also see Scott getting attacked by electric batons, and I think you've noted here that it looks a lot like the footage from Lydia's rescue. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like, when Lydia was attacked in 5A, she was attacked in the same manner, and I just wonder, like, where this exactly fits into the storyline. these people like, electrocuting them, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, trying to keep them there. We've already got kind of the impression that, you know, Valak is, you know, when Valak takes over Eichenhouse, he's maybe not so terrible. And, you know, I don't know if he'd send pe- people with electric stun guns after, you know, teenagers, but I don't know if that's, like, under his right. regime or if that's, like, under the original Eichen regime. Yeah, because I feel like whatever he's up to, I mean, we've heard it before that his motivations aren't necessarily evil motivations. So if he's on the side of the kids, I don't feel like he would necessarily be having his crew attack them with, yeah, electric batons. So who's having them do this and why? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's unpleasant. Well, one good thing about the trailer is that we do see Scott and Kira kiss, which Aww. is very nice. Yeah, considering she's like hysterically she went... crying during it. <laughs> I don't know if I noticed that. Oh, she kind but... of looks like she's crying, but or maybe just freaking out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that this is like a good thing and not like a tragic thing they're doing this because the last time we saw Kira she was really struggling with her abilities and we know from um Jeff I believe specifically said it that she's going to be coming out 
like she's going to be going out to the desert and everything with her mom and trying to figure out her abilities and everything. So I'm hoping this is like post that and that Scott and Kira are getting back together and everything's going to be happy because we need some happiness after all the tragedy we see in this trailer. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't really, they never put nice things in these trailers, do they? They never get you little bits of moments that are like, you know, they never give you moments that are like a little bit of joy. There's that one semi funny line of like, you know, Styles and Lydia together, but it's still in a super traumatic moment. Yeah, and let's talk about that because we know that Styles is going to be one to save Lydia because he's going to be the one who can get all the way into I house past the mountain ash in order to rescue her and there was that really funny line which i'm really glad was in there about how styles was rescuing her and she was like he was yeah he was like we need you to help you know we need your help our plan didn't work and she was like you had a plan like you know yeah. clearly and she was like all beat up and yeah, yeah it was funny and they said they were going to try to bring humor back to the show and humor back to styles specifically so i'm hoping this is just a little snippet of what we're going to end up seeing for the season Mm, fair enough yeah i hope so as well but these trailers never give you many it's not like they intersperse the drama with like light moments and stuff like that like you know it's all action and pain basically yeah, but they they chose to end on this, so I I'm hoping that's significant. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's think of Parrish being like lava man? I don't know. That looked weird and strange. I, I I mean, it kind of maybe feels like that he has a bit more control. Maybe like that looked like something he was doing on purpose. So that's a good thing. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you think it was on purpose, or do you think it's because he's having trouble controlling his abilities? Well, now I don't know. I thought I kind of thought it seemed purposeful, but maybe it's not. I don't know now. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that is a, um, I guess something to wait and see. But um, both both could be likely, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's been having these powers and not being able to control them for quite a while. Like, I mean, I know that the this show kind of doesn't rush things. Like, you know, you had Lydia took you know three seasons to discover anything about her powers, and then longer than that to actually learn how to use them. And this is five B, and she's only just learning. You know, she got her powers in two. And this is 5B, so technically you could, with the amount of chunks, you you know, 2, 3A, 3B, 4, 5A. We could, you know, with the length of, if you count a season for Teen Wolf as being 12 episodes or whatever, that's like four more seasons. Like, you know, all of 2, all of 3A, all of 3B, all of 4, and all of 5A. Five seasons, five short seasons that she has not become a fully fledged you know powered person um she's had these abilities but not anything and and it makes sense it almost makes realistic sense um because who's teaching her this like who the hell is training her to be a banshee you know like she's got Mm -hmm. absolutely no guidance 
And so I'm just wondering how long it's going to take Parrish to, like, nail it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, they don't... They just discovered what he is. I don't even think he can really wrap his head around it at this point. So I'll be curious to know how they figure out what his exact purpose is. Yeah, like, what he can actually do on purpose, or if his entire persona is kind of like being the Canima. It's not like Canima, like Jackson, could ever channel being the Canima and use it for his own abilities, and we haven't had one of those in a while, except for, like, random villains. I guess, like, the Wendigo and, like, a couple of... Um couple of bad guys, and we haven't... Um, not that Jackson was a good, good guy, even though I love him. Um, but we haven't had, like, a supernatural creature who is kind of a main character whose supernatural abilities aren't really in their own control, if you know what I mean, or something that they can learn to use and be part of their identity, like, as opposed to something that, like, when it's switched on, it means that the person is not in control anymore and not there. Um, I guess the Nagitsune was a bit like that, but that's a villain as well, and that's like a possession thing. That's a totally different matter. So, do you kind of want Parrish to be able to hone and use his stuff, or do you think that having a total, like, Parrish the human versus his powers are totally uncontrollable, like the Kanemas were, um, would be more interesting? I mean, I would definitely like to see him hone his powers. Clearly, he has a purpose. Whether he's aware of what exactly that purpose is, we don't know. Or at least, like, he's not aware of that. I think he's still struggling with figuring out what exactly he can do and what he's meant to do. But I think I would like to see him be able to control his powers more than anything because, you know, like you said with the Kinema, like we've kind of seen before what it's like with people not realizing who they are. And I'd, I I, would kind of like better for Parrish, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like you think he deserves to actually get to do more good or, or whatever it is that he does, like um, to be able to have these yeah. things in his hands so he can use them for being awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope so. Um, we'll see how we, we go with that. But, um, but yeah, at the moment it really seems not very controllable. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from that, I think this is going to sort of be a point of contention for the season, but what did you think of the Beast's CGI? I don't know, because I people I've seen people already being like, oh, it looks so bad. I'm like, I don't care. I don't notice things like this. I don't notice whether CGI is bad or not. Like, unless it's, like, really... Unless it's, like the stuff put into Star Wars where you, like, the, I've just watched the original Star Wars and, like, um, that you, that you put, you know, new, like, 21st century CGI into, like, scenes from the 70s. That's what they did with the new, like, the remastered versions. And it, like, stands out because it doesn't match the quality of the, 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 the literal film that they're using. Um, so that stands out as, like, awkward to me. But, like, I don't notice things on television, like, being bad CGI. Like, like, or I just, I'm just like, whatever, I don't care. Like, so I, I, I'm not the best person to ask about this, but it was also standing in a cloud of smoke, so I didn't get that much out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in Who, where they literally use, like, rubber heads on people. So, like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, with the smoke thing, I think they're definitely, like, meant to be hiding it at this point. Um, They don't want to, like, do the full reveal. I actually didn't find it so bad. I know that a few people on Twitter were like, uh, it's, it's really not that great, but you have to remember that this is television and that the budget for CGI on television is always going to be low. Given that I actually thought it looked pretty cool. I think the moment where it's hand kind of like reaches over a pipe or whatever the heck that is. And it has like those like weird horn things on its claws and its hand looks really cool yeah i mean i didn't notice it as out of place for the show like if you know what i mean like as uh, out of place for the quality of the show i did not notice because i don't notice things like that because this is television you're not watching it on a movie screen and it doesn't really stand out that much to me so i was fine with it and i feel like yeah it's being hidden for now like we don't have a real good impression of it yet Right. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is like really minor and doesn't even matter, <laughs> is the, the end title credits. I thought it looked really cool. They're breaking away like the wall, revealing the fresco for the beast. And I just, I really love how every season Teen Wolf kind of chooses a different theme yeah. with the title cards and like, you know, yeah, sometimes like it's like. And- yeah, in, like, the the black, like, spatter and stuff like that. And this time they decided to kind of use the wall revealing that fresco. And it just seemed appropriate. And I just, I don't know, I really liked it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do as well. I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, maybe they'll have, like, a new end title, like, in the actual opening credits next season. Like, the way they had the electricity one in this you know, in 5A and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. if what they end up doing is, like, all old-timey, I'll be into it. Yeah. Well, that was about it for the trailer. Did you have any other thoughts? Um, not really. There were lots of little bits that I was kind of interested in, but I, I, I was in, interested, you know, we there's that one scene of Scott and Styles like, running through the doors of, I don't know, the school or something together, so that they clearly get back on the same side, you know, Mm, relatively soon. Like, I'm going to assume that... I'm assuming that, like, the footage that we're seeing from these two... This trailer is not, like, scattered through the whole season. Like, that it's from early on in the season. Like, they're not giving away too much from towards the end. They haven't even finished shooting, you know, 5B yet. So, that interested me. Um, Just little character moments. Like, that that running... Like, the moment you said about, like... Styles, you know, you know the, the the brightly lit daylight scene between Scott and Styles. I'm really curious to see what that's about. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm just like we're now doing this breakdown, like the stuff about Malia being like in those fight scenes, like with Deaton and with possibly with Kira. Um, that's interesting to me. And Ducalion as well is a big one. Because yeah, I'm curious what his role is going to be this season. Yeah. Well, we love him, and he has a nice voice. He does. He really does. All right, well, let's get into some feedback. Um, I asked people on Twitter what 
her reactions, thoughts, <laughs> and comments were yeah. about the trailer. And the first one to respond was um, at Maddie McD, which is, of course, Matt who's kind of the social media guru for Teen Wolf. And he said it's pretty good. The trailer was pretty good, which was nice to hear from him. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Well, that's fun. And, Matt, we're going to be hitting you up. I've got I've got a little bit of uh, news about feedback in a second, and I'm going to be hitting you up for some stuff soon. Not, not exclusive stuff, just opinion-based stuff. Um, not that you're listening, but I'm going to hit you up anyway. Um, we also, uh, had one about Malia and Theo, um, Andre underscore, um, music lover say, do you think because of Malia and Theo's connection, she will end up being the one to kill him? I mean, possibly, like, if it's like, you know, if he ends up wronging her the most, if you know what I mean, like, um, or if, I don't know, her and her mother go against Theo or... You know, I don't know, like, Theo and the Desert Wolf is another thing that I'm pretty curious about, like, why, how he's involved in that situation, you know, and, and what he wants from Malia. So, I wouldn't mind if she killed him. Yeah, at this point, as long as he dies, I really don't <laughs> care. Wow. That's really big of you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we have um, Banshee Bait 11 saying, Malia telling Scott she can't help him is just bait and out of context. I think that's fair. I think that a lot of the times when they do these trailers, things are out of context to kind of set up like these issues and these problems. Whereas, like, it doesn't necessarily mean Malia and Scott are going to be pitted against each other. But I also think that this scene could be setting up like Scott's um, need to get Malia back on his team and as part of his pack. Yeah. I mean, he clearly, you know, there was, you know, the bit with Melissa as well. He's clearly, you know, trying to to fix everything. Um, And yeah, maybe this conversation between um, him and, him and Malia isn't as bad as the trailer kind of makes, isn't as like harsh and terrible maybe as the trailer makes it out to be, but, but I don't know. But I know what you mean about like the way that um, out of context things can be used to like build drama and then in context there is drama, but it might not have been based in that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Stephanie G underscore 1995 is just excited about style saving Lydia because she's just said style saving Lydia with like five exclamation marks and a smiley D face. So yeah, true. I liked that bit too. <laughs> um, yeah. I like the humor in there, but I also like the fact that styles, the human of the group is going to be the one end up to end up saving Lydia. I think that's really important, not only for the relationship, but just bef- like for the story in general. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all we've got for the second, unless anyone has come on while we've been recording, but probably not because it's like two or three in the morning there now, isn't it, Karen? Quarter after three. That's so terrible. I can't believe this. I can't believe you wanted to do this. Just, uh, um, I'm just checking Twitter again quickly before we finish up, but I will see what we've got. Oh, you didn't read my tweet. Well, I didn't think it was, like, relevant. 
sorry. Um, yeah. Style saving Lydia. Um, yeah, we, we've also asked, um, uh, Andre, um, who asked about Malia getting, uh, killing Theo, also asked, will Gerard finally die? Um, God, I hope so. So, hopefully, yes. Um, I feel like he's been a lingering presence in the background, even if people haven't been talking about him. Because he made such an impact when he was on screen, people just really want to see him die. And so the fact that they're bringing him back, it just it feels like they're going to kill him off at this point. They have to. I mean, he's such a terrible person. Yeah, he's the worst. Um I don't know. I think that that might be it for now. Um, someone else has just asked whether Jukalian is on. Uh, will he be helping Scott or Theo? I really, if he's helping Theo, it's like, yeah, dude, you got like you got your shot. Like you know, we know your original personality was a pretty nice guy. You got your shot at another. You know, you got your second chance. Don't be a fucking dick. Like you know, like don't don't do it. Like just don't do it. Um, what? <laughs> true no i mean fair um so hopefully not theo okay so my last little bit that i just wanted to say before we go is that um in the hiatus obviously we're gonna try and roll out some new episodes but we want to do one um pretty soon about what we've learned from teen wolf and i don't necessarily mean that in like a mushy emotional way like what we've learned because of our experience in the in teen wolf like you know, about how to be a good person, though that's totally valid as well. But I want I want feedback from as many of you as possible about what, what, about something that Teen Wolf has taught you. And that can literally be anything from, like, it's taught me how to forgive my mother who killed herself, which is a story that um, Edie has told about, like, uh, you know, a, a fan that, you know, Victoria's death meant a lot to her and she had that issue with her mother and and that it helped her in that major way a very real emotional thing or it can be down to a fact like i didn't know what you know i didn't know that druids were a real thing and now i know that druids are a real thing or i didn't know about dante's nine circles of hell and now i know all about dante's nine circles of hell because natalie just read me the entire wikipedia article if you know what i mean and it can be stuff from listening that you've learned like through meta or through the podcast or through like a fact that the actual show has brought to light that you didn't know was like for example i natalie don't know anything about high schools in america and i've learned a lot about it through teen wolf um if you know what i mean <laughs> so all that kind of thing um from as emotional and like you know moral as you want it to be down to like a tiny little fun fact i want to know what teen wolf has taught you or what your experience in the teen wolf fandom or with teen wolf has taught you so i want to put that together and basically do an episode talking about as many of those things as possible um and we're gonna have those from all of us from on the podcast and we're gonna try and talk to some of the cast and crew um if they have time to send us an email or a tweet about uh the weirdest or best thing that teen wolf has taught them i'm sure some of the writers will have a good answer for that and and some of the some of the crew people as well like just 
from amazingly moving to amazingly random, I think that we can get some good stuff. So that's some feedback that we'd love you to send in in advance because I'm going to need to prepare that well in advance of actually recording the episode. So that's just a heads up for you guys. Anything else you wanted to say, Karen? Any news or anything like that? Uh, not really, just, you know, I mean, the biggest news that came out was this trailer, so it's great that we broke it down. I was also going to say that we have plenty of ideas for the remainder of the hiatus, which is really not that long. I mean, it's coming back in like a month and a half, so um, we do have some ideas for what we want to do in the meantime, but if you have any ideas, please let us know. We'd be happy to incorporate them, and we're going to try to record more often so that we can get some more episodes in in between um seasons and just kind of get prepared for 5b yeah yeah um okay just before we go karen non sequitur section what was your favorite moment of the civil war trailer oh god oh god that's just you can't spring that on me um Okay, I'm going to kind of go, like, off the beaten path for this one, but I really, really enjoyed, and I don't even know why, Black Panther outrunning Steve. It just, it kind of gives me life. I don't even know why at this point, but I I loved it. I liked him kicking Bucky in the face, and you know how I feel about people (laughs) touching my Bucky. So, well, the good thing about Black Panther, or the interesting thing, the thing that's going to make him a really good opponent for them is that he, his whole suit is vibranium-based. So the shield and everything like that and Bucky's arm just reverbs off it. Like, he's a match for them, number one, because he has all these weird powers, but number two, because he is actually, like, coded in the stuff that they depend on for their strengths, if you know what I mean. Like, in terms – I mean, they're strong, but, like, their actual – you know, the shield won't work that well on him, for example, because it'll it'll Mm -hmm. just be, like, hitting against the same strength of metal, so what the shield actually gives won't give on him. So that should be interesting, Um, and, you know, why he's after them is going to be interesting as well. Um, Right. I've seen a couple of, well, I've seen a lot of memes about, like, Black Panther in the trailer, but a couple of my favorite ones were, like, you can't, like, Cap, you can't catch anybody from Africa, let's be real, which I thought was really funny. And then also, like, um, Black Panther just yelling on your left as he outran. Um, Steve, yeah. well, I scene, thought was really great. That scene is definitely um, him chasing Bucky and Cap chasing mm-hmm. them to get him away from Bucky. Like, cause he the and 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 that also has the awesome moment of Bucky running on top of the car, like running like up the moving car is um, Black Panther chasing Bucky and then Steve chasing Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. My favorite moment. It's not my favorite moment because all of the moments are my favorite. Like God, like. I was so unprepared. Can I can I just say that I thought the marketing for this movie was going to be Tony and Steve. I thought it was going to be – I thought the first trailer was just going to be Tony and Steve butting heads, and that was going to be it, if you know what I mean. Like, because they're, you know, two big stars and, you know, like Iron Man and Captain America and everyone knows that's what Civil War was about. I did not know that they were going to go straight in with, like, the character-based stuff. And I had my mm-hmm. fingers crossed that they were going to change the motivation of Steve's rebellion from 
like the Privacy Act to Bucky specifically, which isn't how it happens in the comic because Bucky is not there at that point. Um, but I had n- I was not prepared for it to be that like Bucky centric, and I freaked out. But my the first bit that I was just like holy shit, and I had to like literally pause was at the end of um just before the the Marvel reel rolls when Bucky runs out the window and jumps off the building like in his civilian clothes. I was just like, holy shit. I mean, that's totally aside from all of like the sad emotional moments, but in terms of like action, like, oh my God, this is happening. I loved that. So yeah. Yeah, I was surprised by how much Bucky there was in the trailer. And because that, I mean, I knew like the general kind of layout for what was going to happen in Civil War, but I didn't realize that Bucky would be so central to that, and the fact that he was made me so excited. It's what I hoped, but also, but it wasn't what I expected. It's what I would have done, if you know what I mean. It's what I personally would have written this movie as, um, but I didn't Mm -hmm. think that I'm so used to being disappointed that, uh, you know, by... Big franchises that I didn't think that it would go there, and it has, and I'm so mm-hmm. stoked for that because um, they're really not soft pedaling it. Like they're re- like they really know what they're doing with Steve, and I'm really excited. So it's going to be really good. And the Bucky stuff is all the reason. It's all foreshadowing for him being Cap. Like it's for, for him taking over as Captain America, which. Um, yeah, it's very, very, very possible. So um, I saw one article being like, yeah, the, mm. in this movie that, you know, Bucky, Bucky has to, like, Sebastian Stan has to make you love Bucky the way that you love, like, Iron Man and Captain America because he's going to be the one sticking around. But it, it was everything I dreamed, but it was so much more than I ever expected. And I'm just so – I can't deal with it because I'm just so – this is so much worse having the trailer out than not having it out. Like, because now I'm just like, I can't live. I can't live until the movie comes out. Like, whereas it was just like a hazy, like, not knowing what was going to happen before that. But, yeah, it's just been a lot. There's been a lot going on. Um, I definitely saw um, someone on Twitter comparing the bit at the start where um, Steve, you know, speaks to Bucky to the bit where... Um, style like one of Styles' breakdown bits where he calls Scott Scotty and like it's all very like it's all very emotional and stressful and uh you know if we're here talking about trailer breakdowns you know we've got to give it a shout out because it's a massive deal and everyone knows that they only listen to this podcast to hear our marvel ramblings anyway so yeah (laughs) okay we'll finish up now um all right well Bye to you all. Um, as I said, that bit of feedback about what, you know, you've learned um, from Teen Wolf, um, tweet us, email us, inbox us on Tumblr. It's all of the handles are NATW podcast except for Tumblr, which is the full words, not another Teen Wolf podcast. And please, um, yeah, Twitter, Gmail, whatever, you know, hyperbole comments, um, anything like that is fine. Um, you also, um, if you want to can follow Karen and I on Facebook if you want. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's a thing now. uh, Yeah, because of, like, a change in the way that, like, Hyperbole displays writer profiles, um, a bunch of Hyperbole writers have now got individual Facebook pages, not not personal Facebook pages, individual writer pages, like public pages. Not that we think we're, like, celebrities, but it's just – 
a thing with linking the articles. So if you want to support us on Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. You can look up Natalie Fisher or Karen Rort on Facebook and join us and we'll use those pages to like post all of the articles that we're personally involved in that come out on Hyperbole if you don't have time mm-hmm. to scroll through all of Hyperbole and all of the podcast episodes that we're on as well. So, yeah, you can do that if you want to. No pressure. All right. We'll go now. It's really late for Karen. Um, she doesn't seem to care, but I think it's ridiculous. So we're going <laughs> to go. All right. Yeah. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving, Karen. Thanks. Thanks. Um, did we? Did you say what you were thankful for? Uh, if I did, I can't remember. You said you didn't want to say. Did I? Because it was, yeah. You said you didn't want to go there. Oh, because it would have been vodka. It was vodka. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to – we'll go. Uh, we'll, we'll leave you guys with that. So talk to you guys later, um, hopefully next week. And, um, yeah, let us know what you think about the trailer. Give us your feedback for the teaching moments episode. And we'll see you guys then. So bye-bye. Bye. Hi. Hello. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. When I met you, you didn't drink. <laughs> That's is that true? Yep. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I drink alone. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. So, <sighs> yeah, what's going on? Why are you alone? Did you just not, um, were you not able to go home, or did you not? No, no, I couldn't go home. I'm going home for Christmas, um, so I had to forego Thanksgiving. Kristen's home in Ohio for Thanksgiving. My boss was here during the day, but then she went over to her daughter's, so I was alone. <laughs> and you didn't you you and the you weren't invited to their Thanksgiving. Like the um, they they did Thanksgiving earlier in the week, and I thought she was going to bring me leftovers, and she didn't bring me leftovers, so it was kind of sad. Oh, so I found the vodka. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe I should get out a drink, too, so we can be on equal footing with this episode. Maybe we should I get mean, really drunk on the last night of Comic-Con next year and record an episode while really drunk. That would be fun. I don't know if I'm saying that because I'm kind of drunk right now, but <laughs> let's do it. All right. Um, you have me recorded saying that we'll yeah, do it. Maybe I should put it on as a special feature at the end. Okay. I am drinking tea, so I'm trying to come down from this. Have I you apologize. Had any food? Yes. Okay. Like two bags of popcorn. It's not real food. Is it? Candy? I mean, it soaks up the alcohol, doesn't it? It's kind of starchy. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Oh well. It's a vegetable. Um. <laughs> ah, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, oh, I did not intend this 
when I poured my first drink. Oh my god. Tonight. <laughs> how, how much? 